0: You did a great job. That was wonderful. Well, if you you hadn't noticed, there was something intended to be a little bit absurd about that. Oren is, uh, is well past the age of needing to be fed by his mommy, we would like to think. Well, the New Testament, start to finish, teaches the necessity of being a growing Christian, and the fact is, is that a Christian is not, who is not growing and producing fruit is in the eyes of God, not just a spiritual baby. He or she is in danger of being counted unworthy of God's blessing. And so at one level, we see Chris and Orin up here and we think, well, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. And it's kind of cute. But there's another sense. In which it has to be taken a little bit seriously. If God takes our growth as seriously as he does. Then we better take it seriously too. And this morning we're going to be looking at a passage. That I think talks specifically. About three basic signs. That a Christian is not growing. Three elements of immaturity. And the parts of the readers of this letter. That need to be overcome. So I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. And as I read through the first few verses here, we're going to read three segments, and as I read through the first segment, starting with chapter 5, verse 11, I want you to see if you can just identify what you think it is that is a sign of immaturity among Christians. Like, what should they overcome? Where should they be going if they're going to be what God wants them to be? So Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, the writer says this, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're so slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And here's the question that we want to deal with. What are signs of immaturity and lack of growth? What do you think it is, church? In these first few verses, first part of chapter, end of chapter 5, and we could even go further into chapter 6, what, what is the essence here of immaturity... What's the sign of it when you look at those verses? Baby food. Baby food. Sure. And that's exactly the problem with Oren. Like, we all think this is absurd that Chris would be feeding Oren. If that was for real, all of us would be saying, there's more wrong with Oren than we thought. <laughs> We'd all think that this is absolutely absurd. And so the fact is, they need to be moving on. They're still eating baby food. And so they are slow to learn, stuck on the elementary teachings, not able to keep the deeper truths of the faith. Now look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. Well, what's fascinating to me here is the contrast between the elementary truths, which we sometimes get stuck on, and the deeper truths, which are really for the mature. And in fact, I think it's more than just interesting, I think it's shocking. What do verses 13 and 14 in chapter 5 specifically say about maturity? Look at it. Look at verses 14 and 15. What do those verses have to tell us about what maturity is? And then I want you to contrast what you find there specifically with what you see in the first couple of verses of chapter 6 in terms of what the elementary teachings are, the basic ones. And I don't know about you, but this surprises me. I thought the deeper things would be all those points of theology that I learned in school. I thought maturity meant that I would understand how to read Greek and Hebrew and know about propitiation and sanctification and eschatology and pneumatology and ecclesiology and Christology. I thought I would know all the deep things to know about the Trinity. I thought that's what would define Christian maturity. I would have thought that me standing up here teaching you the depths of scripture and the nuances of Christian doctrine would have defined maturity as I teach you about meat. But when I read verses 14 and 15, I see something quite in contrast to all of that. Instead, maturity seems to be centered not on all the doctrinal things that I know, but ultimately on how we live. And specifically, as we're going to see in a few moments, how we treat others, how we love. And the fact is that without living well, without loving well, and Paul would say the greatest of these is love, that all the doctrinal instruction and so-called deep learning is nothing more, Paul would say, than a noisy group of clanging symbols. Because you can talk about all these deep things. You know, the fact is that I can talk to you intelligently about the Trinity. In fact, not that I'm wanting to build Michael up, but probably Michael is the only one in the room who's done in any way comparable to the kind of reading that I've done on the Trinity. And Michael, I love you, but you probably haven't done near as much as I have. And the reason why is because I'm older, I've been at this longer, and I wrote my dissertation on that theme. And so I spent about six years reading on the Trinity so that I could sort all of that out. And you'd think that if I was to stand up here and tell you all the things that I know about the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that I would be expressing to you all the mature, deep things of the faith. But that is not what the Hebrews writer says. Instead, he says, knowing right from wrong. Instead, he says, it is teaching about righteousness. And the point is that it doesn't matter all these things that you know if you can't answer intelligently the question, how do you live? And that's the profound thing. Rather than being stuck on the question of repentance, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, rather than being stuck on the question of Do I believe? Rather than being stuck on the need for baptism. Rather than being stuck on identifying your spiritual gifting and your role in ministry, which I think is that line about the laying on of hands. Rather than being stuck on perhaps whether or not Jesus rose from the dead or what will happen when we die. The question about resurrection from the dead Rather than being stuck on the question about judgment and what will happen in the end. And you know as well as I do, there are so many people who love as Christians to talk about, well, what's the end going to be like? What's going to happen just before the end? Can we see the end coming? Can we see all the events unfolding? People love to be talking about those things. And they get stuck on those things. And sometimes we bicker and we disagree about exactly the things in the first couple of verses of chapter 6. And we think that when we've dealt with those and wrestled through those, that we're wrestling through the mature matters and coming to understand the deep things of the faith. And the writer says, no. What you need to understand and what you need to live up to is the question of how do you live? And so what you think you know doctrinally is milk. If your life knows little about the meat of living a loving, moral life in Christ. And the fact is that for some of us, there's inconsistency. We don't live as well as we know. And the writer is saying, if you don't live as well as you know, then what you know is milk. And your life represents milk. And so maturity has to do with teaching about living well before God. What's immature? Here's immaturity. Getting stuck on teaching...